The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hello and welcome back to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. We're here on episode 28 and I have a good friend on the line with us today, someone who, let's see, I've uh, worked with at different events, someone that I refer business to, and someone who helps me keep abreast of what's happening with the San Jose Sharks at any time on uh, Facebook. I'm talking about <laughs> Mike Mueller from, from uh, yeah, hey, Mike. Mike's from the East Bay up in Northern California. And uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, we've known each other, uh, let's see, probably since 2008, there was a bar camp that we met. And uh, in that time frame, I've, I've learned a lot about you. One of them is you're a Northern California kid. And did you, mm -hmm. have you, have you lived your whole life there? Were you born and raised there in the East Bay area? Uh, well, almost. And, and I say that because I was actually uh, physically born in Chicago when I was a very small itty bitty little uh, kid moved down here to San Francisco area, uh, south of San Francisco. And then uh, very shortly after that moved to the East Bay where Basically, I've lived all my life. So go ahead and describe that area. I've I've been there a couple times. Um, uh, I've been to San Ramon and I've been south of the Bay. It, it is yeah. a beautiful part of the country, and I don't know. I'm not sure many people listening maybe have had a chance to. They they kind of tend to stay in the city, and I don't think they get to see what's over there. Talk about what 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 right. what you're afforded over there. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and in. in it's it's very different. So if you've been to San Francisco, uh, hopefully you're on a beautiful day. Uh, there's probably a little bit of wind or what have you, but it can also in the summer be very cold. The fog comes in through the bay, and it just you know like like for different conferences that hold events in the summer, people come to San Francisco thinking it's going to be nice and warm and hot in California, and San Francisco, the bay is very much different in that we have a built-in air conditioner. Well, up and over the Oakland-Berkeley Hills, uh, and you might know that the Berkeley Hills caught fire, the Oakland Hills caught fire uh, years ago, and a whole bunch of, we lost a whole bunch of homes and things like that. Well, that hill, that, that ridge, basically stops a lot of the fog that goes past. And so on the other side, which is where I live, uh, Walnut Creek, the East Bay area, very different microclimate. So we don't get as much of the fog. We end up basking in the sun. We've got, you know, I've got a mountain right behind me, a 4,000-foot mountain uh, right behind me that's just phenomenal for my my habit. But very centrally located. I'm three hours away from Tahoe. I'm an hour and a half away from the beach. Uh, Santa Cruz is about two hours away, or Monterey, either one of those. And uh, wine country is about an hour away, so right in the middle of everything. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful part of the state. Uh, I think just kind of missed, you know, by a lot of tourists. I know that you talk about, you know, some of the coldest summer nights I've ever spent in my life <laughs> were, were at Candlestick Park. 
back in the day. I mean, you would yeah. freeze, you know, just dying for that bowl of chowder in the sourdough bowl just to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. That's, and that's, you know, part of, I think part of San Francisco's tourist, um, the, the economy, the dollars that they bring in really isn't so much selling crab and things like that. It's selling sweatshirts to tourists. Good call. That's right. And they're all over the pier. You can find them anywhere. Um, well, that's yep. so. You you mentioned you know having a playground in your backyard. You are, I, you have an amazing passion for for vehicles with two wheels. That's what I'm going to call it. Some have motors and in, or engines, <laughs> and some don't. I've actually sponsored you, I think, in a ride once you were doing. And uh, but you also love motorcycles. Did that start as a young man, or did you acquire that later in life? How'd that all come about? Wow. Um, you know, I and let's start with the bicycles um, because I was a bicyclist in high school. Um, and then, of course, uh, everybody wants a motorcycle in high school, or at least all young males do, especially in the as product of the 70s, and to have a motorcycle. My parents said, absolutely not. And so uh, ultimately what I did was, yeah, I got a motorcycle. Uh, didn't keep it at the house, kept it down the street uh, at a friend's house. Um, and I just walked to school every day, get on my bike at my friend's house and ride to school. So I started really early with the, with the two wheel thing. So let's talk about the motorcycle thing then. So after you leave your parents and, and you know, you're moved out of there, I personally mm -hmm. know if I still wanted a motorcycle, there's another woman in my life who's going to say no. So, <laughs> right. So well, tell me yeah. how you beat that. Well, how that happened? So you know, so so given that, and I've been happily married for almost 30 years right now. But um, given that, so when I left um, left the parents, my dad was always a auto enthusiast. He was a uh, always had a Porsche. Um, high performance was part of our our normal lifestyle, I guess. And of course, you as a kid, you really want to kind of you know, follow in with that. And that's expensive stuff. So just out of high school, I found out, hey, you can race motorcycles. So I got with a couple of my buddies and we kind of went off and went motorcycle racing, road racing, and had a blast. Well, along the way, met my wife. And of course, if you're deep in, knee deep into motorcycle racing, you can't really argue with that, especially during the dating process. Right. And she ended up becoming our, our pit manager and and kind of helping the whole team, all four of us, make everything work and, and all of that. And so moving on, I ended up, uh, we kind of stopped road racing. I went into, of all things, I went into dirt racing and did hair scrambles and that kind of thing and desert racing and all the off-road stuff. Love that, too. That was completely different. That was a great time. And, um, yeah, she supports me in yeah, motorcycles. I've I've never not had a motorcycle. You you talk about two completely different animals, though. I mean, a street bike, and and you're talking uh -huh. like a Laguna Seca kind of track kind of stuff, or are you talking uh, yeah. TT stuff on a flat track? Are we doing all, you could do it all, kind of. Well, uh, road racing, uh, our tracks uh, were, and and we were doing what's what we had was a local club and. Yeah, they raced uh, north and south of the state, and so we would go down to uh, the L.A. area, and there were some tracks down there. But locally, you mentioned Laguna Seca. Yeah. Um, that's one of our local tracks. And then um, Sears Point, which is now Golden State Raceway or, or something like that, Infineon Raceway, 
Um, but it's right up in the wine country. Sears Point's a always that was our that was our home home track. All right. Um, no flat track. I would love to have done flat track. Flat track's just so cool to watch. Yeah, I, I you know for me the, the the definitive movie of my youth, even though I'm not a bike rider, was on any Sunday. And I'm sure you've you seen bet. it. And it, it is, you know, from the trials to the, to the, to the, to the road stuff, to the, you know, the long distance yeah. stuff, it's, it's, um, it borders on insanity, but that explains a lot about mm-hmm. it. Like, that's great. Okay. <laughs> so, well, let's let one other thing. I know another passion of yours, it's the sharks. And I, first of all, I get it. You have a hockey team up in the Bay area and that's great, but you know, you mm-hmm. were raised there. So I did, is there any chance you played hockey somewhere along the way? Well, um, yeah, but let's go back to uh, all of my my family came from Chicago entirely. So big Blackhawk uh, fans, I'm t- I'm taking it right. Exactly, yeah. and then um, so I had, way back when we had a team uh, that was the Oakland Seals, and this goes 1976 or so. So as a kid, I used to get actually dragged to hockey games. And they only lasted for a couple of years. They went away. They they, they collapsed basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always been a you know it's always been in there. I think it, I think it's part of the DNA part of it all. Uh, never ice skated until I was actually a grown up. And at which time I when I don't know if you remember when rollerblades came out. It was oh, like yeah. wow, this is really cool. And so I picked up my first pair of rollerblades and then all of a sudden there was, Hey, you could do roller hockey. And then I went, wow, okay. Can I do ice hockey? And I got a pair of ice skates and I started on a pickup team and, you know, just played every week, uh, pickup hockey. And that was phenomenal. Everybody else was playing golf. I was playing pickup hockey. I loved it. You know, when I talk to a true hockey fan like you, I like to say I can explain plus minus and offsides pretty well. So that, uh, <laughs> That's enough. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's switch off into some uh, some real estate stuff here for a little bit. I, I know that in your background, you uh, um, you were 20 plus years in the lending industry, right? So how did that come about? How did you tell, show me that path that got you into that side of the, the uh, real estate world? Wow, that and it really was. Um, you kind of fall into things, I think, as as you go through life, and that's. That's exactly what happened with the mortgage industry because originally, uh, this goes way back when, um, I worked for a leasing company and we leased cars. And we we didn't lease cars like there was no automotive um, car dealership. You know, you could just lease anything you wanted kind of thing at that time. And we were actually leasing fleets of vehicles. And uh, we were not connected to a dealership or anything like that. And I kept having, this is, this is back in the mid, early 90s, and I kept having these because I am very close to Silicon Valley. And we had these clients who were, they wanted to lease this and they wanted to lease that kind of thing. And we were doing equipment leasing as well. But we got uh, a bunch of people wanted to lease racks of modems and switches and hubs and things like that. Well, it turns out these guys were uh, the beginning of ISPs internet service providers and what they were doing was they were setting up like a closet in their in their house or in their office building or what have you and uh, back at that time you would dial in your computer modem would dial in and you know make all that funny noise and dial into one of these point of presences 
and they didn't they had to at that time they had to purchase all of their equipment well then what ended up happening was uh they approached us and said hey you want to could you lease this kind of stuff for us and because equipment lease is much uh, a much better thing so i was in the finance world and my boss basically said uh internet i'm not doing that and did not want to turn down all this business and i said well is it okay if i can and he said well if you leave and so i did and i started my <laughs> i started my own company and so actually my first very first website because of course i'm dealing with internet service providers i had to have a website my first website was theleasingdepartment.com and I got the domain and built it all from scratch, HTML and all that kind of stuff. And that was great for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, everything evaporated. And they all got bought up by Netscape and AOL and, and all of these companies. And overnight, my entire market was gone. And I was talking to a friend of mine who happened to be a mortgage broker. And she happened to say, hey, why don't you come over and do mortgages? And I said, I hadn't even really thought of that. And I kind of just, you know, one thing, one door closed and another door opened and I just fell right into it. So this is, how old are you at this time? Um, oh, I can tell you, this was uh, about 1994 or so. Okay. Because my daughter was just, just born at that time. And tell me, uh, so you did that for a number of years. Tell me... What, what did you like best about the mortgage industry? And then I'm going to follow that up with what did you like least? But let's start with what did you like best? <laughs> uh, well, you know, and, and so you, you can't really just jump into the mortgage industry and just start doing loans and, and, and do a, a, a good job. Um, I think the first couple of years, I pretty well sucked. And I, it was because I was learning. And I really had to, and I'm not talking about learning sales. I was a, I had to become a bookworm and learn, you know, all of the regulations. I had to learn, you know, everything about what it was, you know, that makes this loan work and this, and really almost become an underwriter. You, if you're going to be a good mortgage person, you have to understand not just the numbers, but you have to understand all the rules and regulations that go with and what makes a loan work and what, what makes a loan not work. Um, and so gradually I became a much better loan officer and I think probably that leads me to getting around to the, your question. I think the absolute best is when I could, somebody would come to me and they would not necessarily, they would, they would come to me and they'd think that they knew what they wanted. I want this. Here's my goal. Here's my plan. Here's this. And the mortgage product that they wanted or thought that they wanted was not the right one. And the best thing that, uh, about the business was when I actually solved their problem, matched the product to their goals, and made that whole thing happen. And that, that, that made me uh, the happiest. Right. I, I get that. I know that feeling um, in some way, shape, or form on the title side of things. There was nothing better than... Mm -hmm. You know, that when things just worked right and that signing went perfect and they completely understood what was happening, uh, it is a great feeling. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the downer side. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and, and 
this goes and, and, and mind you that uh, my my mortgage career uh, kind of went right into uh, the whole housing debacle thing and, and so I was right in the thick of it um, I'm gonna say probably the worst thing um, I worked as a direct lender I worked uh, as a mortgage broker so I've been on both sides of that um, I really liked working as a mortgage broker because it gave me the ability to do ethical lending and find the right program for for everybody and not not have to I, I felt tied uh, when I was working as a direct lender because we only had a certain amount of programs and sometimes we were, we were kind of pushed to push people into uh, particular programs that I knew were not necessarily the right things. That wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing was being a mortgage broker and the stigma that during the housing crisis, um, mortgage brokers basically got dragged through the mud. Um, not necessarily they it's not like they didn't deserve it some of them very much so did uh we were a very small shop at that time and uh we were very much focused on ethical lending and doing the right thing you know for for the client uh, meanwhile on our floor we were on the, the ninth floor of a, a tall office building we had one small little office and i had uh, about Oh, I think 11 loan officers. The entire rest of the floor was completely filled with a uh, an office, no, not an office, a firm that was doing uh, robo dialing. It was big in the refis. They were doing payment option uh, loans, mm. toxic loans. Nobody in that office knew anything except just how to close the deal. Right. And they were a factory for bad loans. And to me, that was the worst thing about the mortgage industry was that right there. It was agreed. Yeah, I can't agree more. It's let's yeah. get happier times. You and I, we met for the first time. I think we'd, we'd connected socially prior to this, but we met for the first time. I'm almost positive at the second RE bar camp that Phoenix had. That was uh, the real big mm -hmm. event at Scottsdale Stadium. I had spring training home at the yeah. Giants. I had like 500 people show up. and. And if I remember right, yeah. weren't you helping with the uh, RE Bar Camp brand around the country? You you talked about your HTML experience, and we're going to talk about what you do now. But you were kind of mm -hmm. helping manage that process, weren't you? That people had the right stuff for the RE Bar Camp thing. And, I mean, you were the guy that everybody yeah. went to for help, right? Well, somewhat. There were originally – the first RE Bar Camp was in San Francisco, 2008. Um and there were uh, a small group. I actually went to that not as a uh, organizer, but as an attendee. Okay. And I knew the small group that had put that together. Uh, they were all friends of mine. And so moving on as bar camps moved, it's very much open source. It still is. Mm -hmm. um, people can do anything they want and with a bar camp. And so, uh, yeah, I was I was not an organizer. But at the time, and I still am, uh, a very good, if somebody's doing a uh, RE bar camp, I'm more than happy to do anything I can to help make that a success. Tell me your favorite thing about the bar camp scene. Now, you, you've you talked about being at the beginning. That was with, uh, with uh, oh, who was it, um, Dustin and I think even Nick showed up. And I mean, that wasn't a, was, oh, yeah. that was a neat, I'm sure that was a lot of fun, that first one. All the way to the mega bar camps that you've attended, because you've attended yeah. quite a few around the country. What do, what do you like best about it? 
Well, you know what? Everyone is different, and and that's what I really like best about it. Um, well, here I'm going to throw you a curveball. I am I'm also a deadhead, and you know it doesn't say so in my, anywhere uh-huh. on my resume or anywhere. All right. But I am a I'm a I'm a big deadhead, and and maybe that co- might come through in social media. One of the things with, with deadheads is, and I you know I haven't quit my job and followed the band on the road or anything like that. I was always much more interested in working. Um, but they every everybody likes the the different shows, and each show is very much uniquely different in its own thing, and it's just that's that's part of the mystique of the Grateful Dead. And it's kind of the same thing with Ari Bar Camps. You never know what happens, what's going to happen. You go into an Ari Bar Camp, and the experience is going to be completely different from the last one you went into. Right. And to me, they're ever-evolving. They're, they're always um, – and I've been to bad Ari Bar Camps, and I've been to great Ari Bar Camps, and little ones and large ones, and, and everyone is different. And just all the way down to the session, every session is different. Yeah. No, you were just uh, to throw this out there. We had a little meeting last week about bringing back the uh, Phoenix event, maybe in the fall. So stay tuned and we'll make sure we let you know. That was great. <laughs> so yeah, we're working on it. Um, let's talk about your company, areweconnected.com. I, I have referred mm-hmm. people to you. I know you do lots of different things, whether it's uh, social media strategy, uh, website creation. I'm missing a bunch of stuff or I'll let you fill in the blanks, but <laughs> I mean, you know, the fact that you, you, you're a tech geek way early, um, that I'm sure this was kind of a, a great opportunity for you to be able to do what you are passionate about. Well, yeah, um, we can go, we can, we can do a little bit of history when yeah. the mortgage industry was just about, just about ready to collapse. I actually, um, I don't want to say I bailed out, but I've, I, I accepted a job with local title company. And um, I became VP of technology in this area, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And my job was basically to bring in um, uh, different technology, different ideas and things like that. But then also to for the uh, sales reps and for the agents to actually teach them about technology and whatever that was. And social media was was getting just just really starting to, to zoom. And so given that I, I knew that job was only going to be temporary when I took it, but I could also see that the mortgage industry was collapsing on brokers anyway. And so I was happy doing that. And because, and I, I knew it was only temporary because we, we had a law that was coming into effect um, in California that basically uh, your title rep or anybody could not give you a, a drink of water on a hot summer day to earn your business and they totally revamped what they could and they couldn't do and I knew come January and this is like uh, I took the job probably I think in October or so so I only had a couple of months of being able to do this thing and I knew it um, and then come I think it was about the end of January we had uh, I think 15,000 people <laughs> laid off when the bill went into effect and it just Everybody knew it was coming, and just it is what it is. But that day when it happened, before that, I had actually started areweconnected.com because I knew that day was coming. And the when it did happen, the only thing I did was I just went 
everything I was doing and just turned it over to business for self and kept doing exactly the same thing that I was doing. Right. And so that's how I started. That's about 2008 then. This has been up and running full time for you. This is what you do. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure like everyone else that's in this industry and in the technology side of things, things are changing so fast. So, you know, do you, do you look at this evolution of technology as a challenge or as an opportunity? Oh, it's definitely an opportunity. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, currently right now I, I spend most of my time building uh, websites and building WordPress-based websites. Um, actually, I volunteer for WordPress.org as well. But um, a couple of years ago, I was very busy building Facebook pages and actually building apps for Facebook pages. And as technology changes, and of course, Facebook changed the rules as far as that goes and all this kind of stuff, um, my job description is going to change, you know, tomorrow it's going to change. Every day, every day there's a new opportunity of, you know, something new is going to come up and I can either incorporate that and actually put it to work and, you know, put it in my, my quiver of, of arrows and things that I can do and use it to help people. And, and so, yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm happy for change. I'm of that group. Oh, that's great. I love to hear that. Now, now you, you work with lots of different small businesses, even bigger businesses, but realtors are still kind of, uh, kind of a, have a soft spot in your heart, I assume, right? Very much so. Yeah, so, absolutely. What's, what's the most common thing that they're asking for you to help them with today? Is it, is it a, is it a WordPress website or is it something else? I'm going to say it relates and I'm going to go back to my current thing right now is I'm building a lot of websites. Um, but it relates mostly to Facebook and it goes back to Facebook pages. Everybody has a Facebook page, not their profile, but their page. And the current, I, I see a lot of coaches and I see a lot of, um, different, uh, webinars and things like that. And they're all teaching them how to, uh, use Facebook advertising because Facebook pages don't necessarily have the reach anymore. Right. And using Facebook advertising to get clients. And that's great. Um, if you're going to do that, you've got to lead them over to something of a, let's say a landing page or something like that. And then on that landing page, you're going to want to, and this is getting a little bit advanced, put in a tracking pixel and, you know, other things as far as that goes. So you can run retargeting ads and all that's great. If you want to um, own your content and that's, kind of the the client that I see a whole lot of, those are the ones who want, you know, they, they don't want to rent, they want to own their site. And those are the clients that I end up getting and building sites for. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, but you are the guy, if I need help with somebody who uh, wants to <laughs> really get deep in the ad strategy and they don't have a squeeze page or landing pages, you build those too, right? Yeah, well, you know, it, and it, and it, that brings up, I could theoretically, I've never wanted to necessarily get into coaching. Um, I understand everything about, you know, Facebook ad strategies, and it, or at least I think I know everything <laughs> um, until they change the rules. But, um, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of coaches out there uh, who can teach you. There are plenty of, you know, programs out there that can teach you Facebook ad campaign strategies and things like that. But the, the, the hard part for most agents is building that website 
that has the lead capture in it. And, and so definitely, absolutely. That's, that's what I'm doing the most of right now. No, that's great. Tell me, tell me the biggest mistakes you see real estate professionals making online. Wow. Um, Hey, you know what, keeping in that, there's a, there's a lot. Um, but I'm going to say keeping in that same vein, I see a lot of people running Facebook ad campaigns and running, I've got somebody and I, I want to say they're in New Hampshire and mind you, I'm in San Francisco and they are running an ad campaign to their Facebook page and just for likes and that's all they're doing. And they're actually, they're targeting and I actually sent a message to this person. I said, you know, I'm in San Francisco. I'm not going to, I can like your page, but that's not going to help me or help you right. in any which way, shape or form. And you might want to narrow your target down because you, that's one of the best things about Facebook is demographic wise and the ad campaigns that you can run are just phenomenal. Um, but if you don't, um, and getting back to the, the problem that I see most people doing, they don't limit the audience. They think more is better and it's not or, and they, when I click on that ad, where does it go? And if it doesn't go to a targeted landing page, you're wasting your money. If it takes me to your homepage, the front page of your website, you're wasting money. Let's see, we're getting, we've been here half an hour. Let me, I have a couple more questions for you. First, where you fall on the, I call it, there's the search versus the social side of things in real estate. And, and by search, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the SEO, whether, you know, doing a lot of SEO work on a website or buying leads or that cold call type strategy to grab leads and then try and cultivate them versus social, which for me is referral based, you know, relationship building strategy, which probably starts from a sphere and hopefully expands outward. And those between those two, where do you fall? Ooh, um, and personally is what you're asking. Sure. Personally. As far as you mean for my business? Well, let's, let's go for your business. Yeah. And then we'll kind of take that over to what you think is, you know, more yeah. effective for a realtor. Exactly. Because I, and I, and I, I I bring that up because everybody's going to be different. So um, for me, um, uh, what I do is I I rely a little bit on SEO, um, which is a whole lot of work. It's writing posts. It's doing everything right to be found for long tail keywords, general keywords, you know, in a search for Google. And I rely a little bit on that for my new client. That said, I absolutely, I, I live and die by my social media lists. And you and I have talked about lists. Actually, you and I led a great session at one of the RE Bar camps. We were down in, I think, the, the locker room for that session, and we were talking about running Facebook lists. Right, you're right. And we, that was, that was phenomenal. Well, I have a list, and I have a list for every one of, everybody who's ever referred anybody to me is on that list and that makes it really easy I follow 5,000 people on Facebook or something like that and it makes it really easy to just narrow that down to the people who are most likely to refer business to me and I not that I am pumping out to them saying hey will you refer somebody to me I just want to make sure I know what's going on in their life and I want to check in with them and I want to give them a thumbs up and give them a like, comment on this, comment on that on a regular basis. And that's, to me, that is absolutely the best thing. That gives me the, the, the best business 
because those referrals are phenomenal. So now let's talk about, I'll, just, I'll roll this kind of into the last question, uh, you know, from the world yeah. of the realtor. Give me, give me one piece of advice you would give an agent just starting out or maybe one that's kind of stuck and one they want to move up. Mm -hmm. uh, what's, what's your one piece of advice? Well, uh, so, you know, given that, and what you have to do is you have to know, you have to identify your funnels, uh, your sales funnels, as far as that goes. And so I, I wrote a blog post about that a while back. Um, if you were just starting out, obviously you don't have a whole, um, a whole gaggle of people that, you know, you've bought and sold homes for that you can refer on or you, they're just not, that's a little hard. So you've got to go another route. Uh, you do have all your friends and family and you do want to tap into that. Your social sphere is phenomenal, but uh, you are going to have to, if you want to kickstart, you're going to have to get the ball rolling somehow. And you can do that. I'm going to say almost instantly by running, by having a, a good website and by running Facebook ads or even Google search ads. And there are a couple other things you might run run ads on, but you're paying for the leads. They're, they're coming in and you're paying for them, but you got to have a good website to be able to handle those. Right. And a good system. Yeah. And, and do you, you know, just to follow up on that, it's, it seems to me that certain people are wired to handle that sort of strategy and some people aren't wired to handle that strategy. But when mm -hmm. you're new in the business, you're going to have to be uncomfortable um, if you're if that's not you know what you want to do. But you've got to get the thing going, like you said. So you've got to have some right. some sort of prospecting to get you going. And if you want to transition to something else later, great. But there's really no other way yeah. when, when you're brand new. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and actually, let me bring this up because I think it's pretty important. What what has happened in the, in the past is Typically, a, a realtor website would have a whole bunch of information for buyers, a whole bunch of information for sellers, and they're gonna, people are going to land on it, and, oh, there's a button, how much is my home worth? And they're going to click on it, and it's got 15 fields. You want to know my address? You want to know how many rooms I have? You want to know this, my phone number? My, I, no, I'm not going to do that. And nowadays, what I see is the smarter ones are going a little bit different. What they're doing is they know that the person who lands on the website is not necessarily going to be right now ready to push that button for call to action, whatever that is. And so what they're doing, I see a lot more of is um, creating, for instance, a, a here's 10 things to sell your home faster in today's marketplace or to get top dollar in today's marketplace. They're creating these special reports free for all I need is your email. That's all I want. Just give me your email address. It's a low barrier. And what I'm going to do with that email address is I'm going to put you on my newsletter. And then once a week, once a month, whenever the newsletter goes out, it's got the articles, it's got the posts that they're sharing, um, you know, for buyers or for sellers, whoever the, that newsletter is targeted for. And then within that newsletter, it also has the calls to action. So that when these people, when they've built up enough trust that these people are saying, okay, well, now I am ready. Let's go see what my home is really worth. Let's start that. That's when they're going to fill out that complete form. Right. Yeah, I love I love that answer. I think it's great. You know, ultimately, it's all about building trust. It's about building relationships. And I mean, that's right. 
that's what we're in the business for. Well, Mike, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I've, I've taken quite a bit of your uh, your afternoon, and I appreciate it. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest or best way to get a hold of you? Well, you can go to areweconnected.com. You can Google me. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn. You can find me pretty much everywhere. But you know what I'm going to say? Areweconnected.com is probably your, your easiest and, and best way to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks again. Be careful on your bikes, whatever kind they are. <laughs> I know you wear all the right gear. I'm just worried about you. Be careful, all right? You got it. Thanks a lot, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening once again to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. We're happy to do these shows. I think we've had lots of great feedback, and we appreciate everyone sharing it uh, out there with other people. One thing I wanted to bring up I forgot to mention with Mike is he does a radio show every Tuesday morning, 8 a.m., uh, Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern with Ken Cook. It's called Social Media Edge and it's on blogtalkradio.com forward slash smedge, which is S-M-E-D-G-E. So check them out there. They do a great show once a week. And uh, when, once again, can't thank Mike enough for uh, joining us here on the show. Until next Tuesday when we publish our next episode, thanks for listening and keep writing your own story. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.